Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I have with me a very special guest. I have one of my first personal development coaches. And I think I've just explained to her that, you know, this is nearly episode 30 and this is the first podcast I am nervous for. So let's hope it turns out in the wash. So Tanya is a master certified (laughs) Martini facilitator. And if you have ever listened to any of the work that I've done or been one of my clients, you would have heard the word Martini mentioned. Now I'm going to introduce her two ways. The first, I'm going to read to you her manifesto. So Tanya's written these words herself. As an individual, you have not started living until you can rise above the narrow confines of your individualist concerns to the broader concerns of humanity. Be raw and real. It is more important than polished and professional. You are here to seek solutions, serve humanity, continue to create goosebumps moments goosebump moments, open hearts and minds of humanity to eternal love. Be the light in the world when people are lost in the darkness. Be the light until they see their own brilliance. Help them find their way home. Tanya, how are you? I am beautiful. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Now that statement in itself creates goosebumps, but that's not where you started, is it? It is not where I started. So when I started my journey, I was falling apart. I didn't have a will to live. I didn't see a point to life. It was in a really dark, struggling place, especially before I attended and did any of Dr. Martini's programs. And I'd done a little bit of personal development prior but I still find myself in this deep, dark hole because at that time my boyfriend was killed and it was the first death I had experienced as an adult and it shook me to the core. So it definitely was not in a goosebump. There's beautiful eternal love out there in the world. It was definitely a dark, dark place. You were already in the industry of helping people though, weren't you? So there was a, you were on the path. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've, I've felt since I was really young that I've, I've, I was here to do service to the world and I had tried different, different avenues. Like I personal trained for a little while. I nursed for a while. I tried to find different avenues and it wasn't until I discovered counseling, which I realized that was really where I get to work with the inner world of someone to make massive transformation. And that's where I found, I found my, my place where I knew that that's what I wanted to dedicate my life to. So I think I'm going to, I think I've just bypassed everything that I want to talk about. We're just going to dive into the deep stuff, which is oh, a secret teller of Tanya's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, you just shared with us then that, you know, part of your journey into finding this work was the passing of your boyfriend. Mm. Now, part of the Martini work is to find the benefit and find the value in this, right? Mm. Was that the first thing that you did mm. the Martini method on? Well, uh, I did the first, the first thing I did on was, uh, was my mom. The first pr- process I ever worked on was my, my biological mom and and what I perceived to be abandonment and leaving when I was young and then not seeing her for a lot of my my teen my teen years. And so I worked on her. But then on the second day, I had an opportunity to go up on stage with Dr. Martini in front of uh, 210 people. And he helped, he applied a process that he has on grief. 
And so I had gone from experiencing the jelly mind of grief where you can't remember things and you know, you're just like just barely getting by and functioning to within an hour and 20 minutes having just a centeredness and poise, just a deep gratitude and appreciation for his life and also for his death. And so that that was like the the whole reason why I started to go down the path I did with the Demartini method, because I thought if I could have my life changed in an hour and 20 minutes, when we know that with grief and the standard thought pattern around grief is two to five years before you can get your life back again. And it was an hour and 20 minutes. I'm like, how do I help someone else do the same thing with their life? So that was the beginning of opening my entire world up to a new philosophy of living. Had you felt gratitude like that before? No, never, never, never. Like the, it's not just like I'm thankful and I'm grateful, but just like a deep gratitude that brings you to tears, like that, that deep gratitude. I've never felt, I've never felt like that before. So let's explore that then to get to that point of that really deep gratitude. What are some of the... What's some of the work that you have to do before that? You know, maybe talking to values, talking to understanding the seven areas of life, those sorts of things. So, well, everyone lives by a set of values and they have a priority. So essentially people are making decisions about what's most important to them and it's value driven. So if you value, for example, health and wellness, you're going to make decisions around where you will eat relative to your health and wellness Uh, goals and your value there. You'll also make decisions of what you do on your weekends relative to your health and wellness goal because and value because you'll do maybe you go for a long walk or you'll go to the gym or you'll go for a ride instead of maybe uh, you know uh, something else like that's a lower value for you. And so we base our base our life on our values. And so everyone has a different set of values. It's not like these idealistic values, which are integrity and honesty. It's more, they're more action-based. So they're more like business. There might be strategy or strategic thinking. It might be ideas. You might value family or children or learning, personal development. So these are more like the tangible values rather than the idealistic values. Uh, and then essentially everyone I really believe are here to empower every area of life. Like we're not here to just, you know, narrow focus on a couple of areas of life, but we're here to empower our spiritual life and our purpose. We're here to, to empower our, our vocation, our career, as well as our social life and our physical life, as well as our mental learning and understanding. And so we're here to empower everything, our social life. We're here to empower all of it. And so our financial life. And so as we do that, it means that uh, we're growing every single day. So then when it comes to our challenges that we go through, if we can understand the seven areas of life and we can also understand our values, then we can essentially link or find a reason why did that challenge happen to us and how is it serving one of the seven areas of life or maybe all of the seven areas of life and how is it also serving your values as well so for me for example with my boyfriend uh, dying that one of the you know massive lessons I had out of that was that our transformation doesn't have to take years. We could do it with quality questions, giving quality answers, and our life can be transformed in an hour. 
And so that for me was a huge realization, this massive challenge I had. But for my career, it was the perfect experience that I could have and the perfect learning. So it was, there was a perfection to it rather than this random experience that happened to me. It was actually happening for me in being able to build my career. So if we're able to find and link how our individual challenges serve our values and also seven to seven areas of life, we find a deeper meaning in our experience. I love the way that you just put that they're more action-based because I think everyone's heard of values thanks to, mm. you know, married at first sight and the bachelor and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but really making them action-based values is the first thing that I take my clients through. Mm. And a lot of women, it's a really uncomfortable process to go, mm. Oh, what is it that I value? What is it that I bring into this world? They are already service-based. They're serving, be it um, a job or their families and things like that. But when actually asked on an individual level, it's a really confronting and uncomfortable experience. Why do you think that is? Well, so some not that they don't have values, they still have values. Yeah, for sure. So for some people uh, applying and figuring out what their values are is uncomfortable because they struggle with their identity. And the reason for that is because sometimes we can enmesh ourselves in other people's lives and what we think society might want for us or what our parents have wanted for us or what our spouses or what we think the market wants for us. And we end up doing what the world and our life according to others rather than ourselves. And the result of that is we lose a sense of identity. So we struggle with who am I? Like, what, what do I really love? What do I love outside of, say, being a mom or being a business a business person? And so the result of that is because we don't have a strong sense of identity when you go to ask and answer the questions of the value determination process and it says, you know, what energizes you? And you're like, oh, I don't know, like I'm struggling Coffee. to be who I am. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what do you fill your time with? All the things that I know I have to do, but I'm not really that inspired by doing it. So then the result of the answers is more an injected value idea of what you think you need to be or who you think you need to be rather than who you are in to inside. And so for those people, I suggest that they go on more of a journey of self-discovery before they even go to do their values. Or it might be you do your values first, you get an idea and like, well, that was really difficult, really hard. Okay, great. So let's go and do a self-discovery. Like, what do you love? Like what lights you up? What, 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 when you were, what did you want to do when you're a child? What's been like most meaningful to you in your life? What wakes you up? You know? And so when we go on that discovery and we figure out who we are, we can go back and ask and answer the questions again. And we have a lot more certainty in our values because they feel more true to you as opposed to injected values. Do we see these values shift at all? Of course. Of course. Um, for those that have children would know that uh, their <laughs> values definitely shift after having a child. So uh, I've got, a, I have a daughter and I had, um, I fell pregnant at 37 she had her at 38 and so I had a pretty full bone career by that stage and then I here I am thrown into this new position of being a mum and I was like I'm still pretty much identifying as a business owner and and a, a leader in that uh, capacity and so it's it took a little while before I could really own that space and really step in it was definitely maybe uh, being pregnant and then 
I'd say maybe a year and a half into it, I was like, okay, I definitely can embrace this a lot more and I could feel the shift. So it was more of a gradual growing into that particular value and that role where I know that some other people, for example, have uh, have had that inside of them that they've wanted to be a mother and they've wanted to, you know, step into a mothering role from a really young age and they have a lot of children and they really em- embrace that. And so that's a high value for them, whereas uh, sometimes we grow into our values. So our values are going to change because of two reasons. They're either going to change because we're having a developmental change and so they just gradually change over time or we have a cataclysmic change which is then shifts us to change our values. So a cataclysmic change might be what we call birth, deaths and marriages where it's like all of a sudden, you know, your whole life has changed and now you've got to change or we have a developmental change, say, for example, when you're a teenager, your values may be more on, say, learning and social, but then when you finish school, a lot of your time now is now becoming available, so it may go into finances and career, and so you've had a developmental change with your values. So they definitely do change, but I do believe we also have, like, core value. Like, once we know our identity and who we are, we do have, like, core values that really won't change no matter how much, you know, your life changes. So, for example, the value of health for a lot of people, it isn't something that will just dissipate and go away and not have anymore. So if it, um, if they've had it for a long time, you're more than likely still going to have it until you're older, like old and die. So we do have some like core values and then we also have like transient values. So a transient value might be, for example, travel. So the value of travel, for example, during 2019, a lot of people had this really high value on travel. And then all of a sudden 2020 comes along and it's like, okay, now you, now that's not there anymore. The world had changed. And so you weren't able to travel as much, maybe sometimes up to five kilometers if, if you're following the rules uh, outside of your, your home. And so then that value has changed, but it's like this transient because of the period of time that isn't such a value for you, but maybe it becomes a value again now that the world is opened up and then that value of um, travel uh, becomes more important again. So sometimes we can have values drop off and come back on. Sometimes they'll lessen in priority Sometimes if we're sick or we're financially challenged, we might put finances as a higher value, but then we have more resources that drops off. So some come and go and there are some that are that are um, uh, like, what is it, solid or certain throughout our life. Does this happen in, you know, if we use that travel example over mm. the 2020 period, does it does things like this happen to cause us to look at this value deeper and to really see where it shows up in other areas or is it you know because i mean it, as you just said every challenge is meant to serve us right so mm-hmm. you know why do our values quote unquote get taken away from us um i think so w- values are driven by voids so every value becomes a value because it's a there's a void somewhere in our life So the bigger the void, the bigger the value. So imagine, for example, you are hungry, your belly's empty, void. You then go, oh, my gosh, search for food, get food, fill your belly up. You feel fulfilled. And then you're like, okay, I don't need food anymore. So you go off and do other things and spend your time, energy, resources doing other things until your belly gets empty again. Like, oh, my gosh, food again. So you go search for it, fill it. And then so that's essentially what we're also doing with life as well with our own voids. 
So when we're a child and uh, we are going through, and I've actually even noticed this with my daughter because I'm getting to watch this whole like birthing of voids. It even happens in the womb. So when we perceive a void in our life, it becomes a value as an adult. So for my daughter, for example, when she was in my, when she was, uh, when I was pregnant, I had low fluid in my belly, which low, essentially low water. And so since she's come out, she's like a water baby. She will find water. She will drink water, like a crazy amount of water. She will spend like 45 minutes in the bath after we've just gone to the beach for the day. And she spent the whole day in the water. And then she's just, she just surrounds herself with water. And so I just think, I wonder if that's the void from that empty space that she didn't have the void there. And that's created a value in her, in her life right now. So we can have examples of this. So when you ask a, someone who's like maybe really focused highly on finance, most of the time they've had this void of, I didn't have a a childhood where we had resources. We were, you know, hand to mouth with food there was no money available and that void of money then becomes a value for them in their life. So we have these early childhood voids that drive us and it might be helpful to think about if you know what your values are, you want to think about what's the void that's driving that value. So for example, some people have a value on learning and then they go, okay, so the void was being told they were stupid when they were young, that they had another sibling that was super bright and they didn't feel in comparison as bright as them. And so you want to know what's the driver that drives your void. And so a void isn't when in our early days, a void isn't something that just happens once or twice and that's it. We actually have reoccurring voids throughout our life that just like like um, re-create that void to be a little bigger again. And so for those that had been, maybe had the void of travel for a long time because maybe they felt constricted, they weren't able to travel much when they were young, So they had a void there or they saw other families going off and traveling and they're like, I really want to go and do that, but didn't have an opportunity. And so that void is driving the value of wanting to go and travel. But then during 2020, maybe 2021, you couldn't. So either two things would have happened. One, it created a bigger void. We're like, okay, the door's open and you're like, I'm off, off you go and you're off traveling. It's like, where can I travel to? And you just can't wait to get out there and travel and go to different places or you either, so it's either that way or you felt like, actually, I feel like that void's really filled right now. I feel like there isn't something that I actually feel like doing anymore because I feel like I've kind of done all that I can, all I want to do. There isn't another place that I want to go and visit, another culture I want to have experiences to for now Maybe the void will be created again in the future, but for now, my priorities have shifted. I see this happen for uh, people with families or even business. They put a lot of emphasis when they're young on on traveling around uh, when they're young, but then when they have a family or they get a business, they're like, actually, I want to put my time and energy into that instead of travel. So that's why the travel value potentially can like fall off and not be there, but it isn't that it won't come back again. It's just you've got to have a big enough void, a big enough reason why it would become important to you again. Yeah, right. That's a really, again, a really cool way of looking at it. Mm, mm. I, um, think people, I think most people look at values, but they forget to go, hang on, what's driving them? Like what's the reason yeah. why it's so important to me? Mm. Yeah. So 
the values and the the values and the voids will always be entangled. Mm, always. Yep. Always. Because you've got to have something that's driving it. Tanya you know? doesn't use yeah. that word very often. So always. 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 All the time. <laughs> but they are. Yes. Yeah. So part of the work that I do is, like I said, introducing women to their values. And mm. we've just talked about this void. They come to me for health reasons. They've got, you know, hormonal issues, energy issues, those sorts of things. Mm. And we talk about our values. One of the questions that you just mentioned is, you know, what energizes you? So what Mm. happens when we see, one, we don't recognize our values or we're not able to voice them? What are some of the things we see happening? Mm. So if we don't recognize or we can't voice our values, we're going to feel minimized, shut down, unseen, unheard, and that can result in low energy. So if you feel like you can't be yourself and you can't express yourself and you you str- the outside world is struggling to accept and love and or love and appreciate you as you are then you can feel de-energized by that it's like well, what's the purpose what what's the reason i'm here if i can't even express and be myself so one of the the feedback mechanisms we can use to see how congruent we are with being ourselves is the amount of energy we have because if we're doing things that are aligned with us, we will have energy within. If we're doing things that are injected by other people, what society thinks we should do, if we think that what our spouse or our kids or our teachers or whoever it is are saying that that's what we need to do, but we feel tired, sleepy, we procrastinate, we don't do it, we de-energized from doing it, then we have to ask, well, hang on, is this really us? Is this really me? And then use our energy as a byproduct to let us know how congruent we are with being ourselves. So that's point number one. Mm. Then, you know, we have to look at, you know, movement at the physical side of mm-hmm. the energy. So movement, um, sunshine, food, those sorts of things. Mm. How does the emotional and the physical come together? Around within with energy? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, our emotions play a really big part in our energy levels. So if we feel that we have maybe a down, downward you know, look on the world and we feel down and depressed, we're not going to have energy for our, for our day. Our, our outcome of our experience of our day is going to be pessimistic. Our emotions are going to run and govern us, can occupy our space and time in our mind. And the result of that, you know, you ruminate about things and you feel like in a way that your emotions are governing you rather than you governing your your body and your mind. And so one of the ways that we can, in a way, create more energy within us is that if we can equilibrate our emotions, let's say, for example, we are sad and we're feeling sad and depressed about something. Maybe business isn't going the way that you want it to go. Maybe your health isn't going as fast as you want it to go, you know, getting your health back into into balance. And so there's something about your body that you're not appreciating. And so the result of that is feeling down and depressed. So that we feel down and depressed because of a comparison to how we wish and hope our life is going to be. So it's our fantasy that we, or our hope of our life or an expectation we have on our life to be a particular way. And we're not loving and appreciating our life the way it is. That's going to de-energize you. You're going to feel flat about that. 
And so what we want to do is we want to be able to find the drawbacks or the downside of whatever we wish and hope our life was going to be. So say, for example, you've got health issues and you're saying, I want to be healed today. Like, I don't want to have to wait another three to six months for that healing to take place. I want it today and now. Then you ask the question, well, what's the downside if it was today and now? And as you find those downsides and you notice, actually, um, I'd miss out on the learning. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't really appreciate you know, the the effort that it's gone into it and you find the drawback, drawback, draw until you crack that fantasy and you're like, actually, I'm really grateful for this this self-development journey I'm on and the learning I'm getting to do and you can love and appreciate that because you're no longer depressed and down about it. You see the the connection and the the order in your experience and you see the blessing in it. That will energize you. That will create energy inside you because all of a sudden you're like, there's a deeper meaning and purpose to why I'm going through what I'm going through. And that will give you energy. We can also, uh, in a way, if we're able to see, let's say, for example, you work in the health industry and you're currently going through a health problem and you do, well, how does my health problem help me with my vision and my mission and what I want to do? And we're able to link it to a bigger vision and see how this current experience is helping our long-term future, it'll also energize you as well because you're like, wow, I'm getting to like fully experience this, what my clients go through. I get to understand what's going to work and what's not going to work for me. And maybe I can also help someone who's in a similar position to me. Like, So the result of that is you then find purpose and meaning in what you go through. And then that can help you to energize you to, to get through this period of time. Tanya just saw me blow my nose. I think she's suddenly telling me to go and <laughs> do the work on me being sick, um, which is really hard when you're in the pit, right? When you're really in the depths of that pessimistic, life is really hard. I don't want it like foggy. I don't want to do this. Mm. And, you know, hearing you and I just say, go and do your values, go and find the benefit. It sounds really simple, but it's it's sometimes not, is it? It is not. It, it is not. And I, I'm definitely seeing like we have uh, we have resistance and we will procrastinate and we'll go, oh, I'm too tired. I need to go and make a cup of tea. And we'll do all of these things to kind of distract ourselves from actually going in and doing the work. However, it's like what's if we had to compare the pain of staying the same versus pain of doing the work, which one would you want to take? The pain of doing the work, maybe it will take you an an hour to do the work, find the blessings, you know, ask the question over and over again, the same question over and over again to what's the best thing, what else is the best thing, how else is it serving me, ask the same question over and over again, which isn't fun. It's not sexy. It's, it's it's, It's pretty, it's. Well, I don't find it boring. I find it super interesting. But this whole like self-discovery and learning about yourself, like if you if you could like, so if we're able to do that, then we can see a, a massive transformation for us. So if we're able to kind of put ourselves into the pain and, and know that it's going to be difficult, know that it's going to be challenging, know that you're going to get stuck sometimes, know that no answer is going to come to you, but it's why do you want to do it in the first place? Like, what's the reason? Do you want to have mastery and governance over your life? Or do you want to have your emotions run and rule you and the outside world dictate how you should feel and how you do feel? Or do you want to take, you know, be the captain of your soul and the master of your destiny? Like, do you want that? And you have to have 
a, a big enough reason to go and do the work. I still remember when I laid in bed after attending uh, the breakthrough experience with Dr. Martini on the very first time and after doing the grief process with him and having this huge transformation, I just remember laying in bed thinking there is no way I want to wake up another day feeling like I've been feeling that I'm willing to put in the work that it will take in order to get the results that I'd really love. I'd love my life to be inspiring. I'd love to be able to make a bigger difference. I, I felt like that driver to do that was outweighed the the just staying the same. I could just I couldn't stay the same for another for another day. And so, and it doesn't take a lot in order to transform your life. If you if you dedicated an hour a day, even if you don't have an hour a day and you did five minutes when you're getting ready in the shower, five minutes a day, every single day, that adds up to having a profound transformation. If you do it day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out, you'll definitely notice massive changes. Tanya's coined the phrase shower power. Shower power, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a hair down to my bum, so you know, <laughs> that alone takes me, you know, five minutes to wash my hair. So, but definitely a shower power for me because there's something really there's. For, I think everyone's different in the way that they uh, they do the work and whatever mindset work it is. And I find it really therapeutic to have something physically happen at the same time as me applying the questions and asking, well, how does this moment serve me? What's the drawback if it, if it was the way that I wished and hoped it was, for example, asking those questions in the shower while I'm washing my hair. Or, and so I just find that really that physical and mind together is really helpful. I also find do, doing it when I'm walking as well. So if I'm walking, which I um, do often and I'm out in nature and I'll also ask the same, I'll have a, a period of time where I'll ask the, those questions while I'm walk, walking and answer it to myself. Sometimes I'll burst into tears in the, in the middle, in the middle of a shower or in the, in the middle of like a park. And I'm like crying because I've had this realization. Yeah. Do you get people stop you in, in public? Are you okay? Oh, I mean, I've been in cafes where I've done it and yeah, I've had one person go, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm just having a really grateful moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's interesting because I just, you, they can feel it. Like they can, yeah. when you have like that heart open moment where you've just like burst out with, with love and gratitude for something, it has a ripple effect on those people around you. So and it definitely pays off for them if they're sitting there watching or listening. Absolutely. And I think when we talk about the work, a way I really like to describe it is um, like I've done one-on-one -on -one sessions with both yourself and your business partner, Justin. Mm -hmm. And my last session with Justin, I just wanted to close the laptop. Like, thanks, Justin. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this work. This question's not for me. See you later. Yeah. That finding, really finding that precipice to move through that for sure. I mean, it's hard. You have to confront yourself and you hold yourself accountable and see parts of yourself, you know, the shadow parts or the darker parts of yourself that they're like hiding and you don't want to, you don't want to see. But it's like, I, I still, one of the things that I love most about the, say the, the application of the Martini method is that uh, we become ourselves to the degree we make everyone and everything ourselves. Because did you know that the atoms inside of you, the main four atoms inside of you, can I go a little science-y? Go, okay? go, go, go. Oh, my gosh. So the main atoms inside of you is hydrogen, um, oxygen, carbon, and nitrogen. So you that's the main in atoms and ingredients inside of you. Did you know the same atoms and ingredients inside of the universe is hydrogen, oxygen, carbon, 
and nitrogen. So it's like, therefore, the universe is in you and you are in the universe. It's, does it not give you goosebumps? It gives you a little, like, oh, that's so amazing. So therefore, yeah. we're just here to encompass that everything inside of the universe is just us. That's why I really believe that it's the universe. It's the Y-O-U universe. <laughs> it's like that's that's we're here to kind of embrace everything inside of ourselves. But if we hide away and we shy away from something and we go, well, I don't want to work on that. I don't want to own that. You've got that so cute. You've got your gas. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that I that we deflect our brilliance instead of reflect the brilliance that is within us. And when we can own that, we become more of ourselves. Therefore, we have a brighter light to go and shine that we get to go and offer the world. So that's what I, I love, like be the light until they see their own brilliance because everyone has their own brilliance inside of them. And it's like, that's what I love about this work is like, how can I inspire you enough to go, gosh, I want to go do, I want to go do the work now. Like I'm so inspired. Like how do I share and shine my bright, bright light out there to the world? I think like one of the first, when you first started Maximum Growth, you had the infinity sign behind, mm-hmm. behind you, the you and me. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a couple of months before you actually explained it. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know? And then, yep. yeah, you explained that baseball. I can't hear you. My mic sometimes cuts out. Is that better? It did. It did. So say it again. So with the you and me sign, Mm. Mm. when I, you know, it was a couple of months in maximum growth and you hadn't really explained it. It was just sitting there behind you. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute, like quirky kind of thing. Tanya's spiritual. And it didn't, but it wasn't until you actually explained the meaning behind what mm. the infinity sign was. Do you want to give a little? So the infinity, I've, so you just imagine the infinity sign and uh, it has a, a you and me. And so most people are like, oh, is it like, because you and I are entangled and, you know, together we're making you know, this infinity sign and it's not, it's that you, I am you and you are me, that we're both, we're both uh, reflection, we're both a part of each other and reflections for each other. So we're not separate from each other. We're actually the same. So very it's, cool. that's why it's like we become ourselves to the degree we make everyone and everything ourselves. So whatever you see in the outside world is within you. It's a, it's a hard concept to understand. It's definitely. Massively. Yeah. And I think, I mean, sometimes the way that I'm hearing that too is the way, you know, mothers, for example, who if they're only, you know, they're feeding their children first and they feed themselves the mm. scraps. So how does that, you know, how do we? Well, that's more like I prioritize you over me and that comes back to, yeah, so that comes back to why some people may struggle with their values is because they prioritize other people as more important than they are. But if we go back to you're in a crashing plane and let's hope you're never in that experience, but you put the mask on you first before you do it on other people, uh, that isn't to say you're more important, but you at least want to see yourself as equal as other people rather than than lesser than other people. So we want to make sure that the the way that we care and also the way we care for other people, if we care about others more than us, imagine what's our inner world like? How do we treat ourselves then? What, what, what kind of our, is our inner world thinking going on if we put other people first? Therefore, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I don't deserve I, I still I still think about like if we had our inner world 
shared out into the outer world experience and you had that conversation you have inside of your inner world with your best friend and you said all of those things hate my body why doesn't work you know why can't it be more better this than that you know why am I so stupid why am I not enough you know people people leave me uh all of those kind of like inner world like why can't I be seen and heard all of those like inner world thinking that we have if we said that to a friend there was no way that that friend would want to stay with us no way they but then we treat ourselves that way we have that our inner world is like that and it's like well what would we need to do in order to love ourselves more and and uh, value ourselves more so sometimes we can see that in the reflection of how we treat others if we treat them say better than we treat ourselves, we prioritize them over us. Maybe it's just an outside feedback to let you know, hey, come back to prioritizing and putting some importance on you as well as the outside world. Put your mask on first, as you said. Yeah, for sure. One more big question for you. Mm. As an individual, how do we define health? Well, health is really individual. Like everyone's going to have their own individual like version of what health is. So health can be energy, health can be what you put into your body, health can be having financial resources to, you know, health really changes for every individual because it depends on your, it depends on your values, it depends on what's really important to you. But maybe it's more of a, a, well, I don't know, I, I don't know, it, it's a big question, uh, it's a big question. The thing that prompted it, I'll give you a little bit of context, the thing that prompted it. The um, reel you put up the other day of um, Justin cooking the steak. Ah. <laughs> and I think you're saying like you and I are polar opposites. You love running. You don't love meat. I hate running. I definitely <laughs> eat meat. And so, but you and I both have a value on health and vitality. Mm. So how do we come to define health? For sure. So I think, um, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of vitality, because what's the reason why we do health? It's, because we want to have more energy and more vitality and more life. So I think health changes over time. So for example, right now I'm in a vegan stage. And so, but I've been 12 years vegetarian. I've been a meat eater for maybe a decade or on and off for a decade. I've been vegan. I do vegan maybe every four to six months each year. And I've done that for the last four years prior to or three years prior to that I was more vegan for every three to three maybe four to six months and so I'll just go with what my body feels like I'm not running I've I've stopped running the last six weeks I've stopped running because I want to walk more because I want the longevity for my body instead of putting so much effort on my on my you know emphasis on my body so I'm kind of going through these like transitions and so health kind of changes and so I wouldn't want to say that health looks like a particular way for every individual because it doesn't because some people say well health for me is like just getting eight hours sleep so health for other another person may be what type of food they eat. So I think it's more allow yourself to have the changing and what your body needs and more connecting in. So health is more like the ability to be able to connect in, to ask what does my body need for me and what do I have to give my body? Does it need more water? Does it need more sunlight? Does it need more movement? What type of movement does it need? What type of nutrition does it need? Uh, and so asking though, you know, what what mindset stuff that I can do to alleviate the mental stress I have that I'm putting on my physical body. And so I think that if we can come from that perspective, then health will be the the form of which 
we do health will change, but the re like the outcome is still the same of like what's going to give us vitality and energy for us to go and do the things that we really love. And so when we see particularly coaches really polarized in this, you know, and so polarized just means really pro mm. the thing that they value. Mm. So when we see coaches, you know, really veganism, for example, if we're like veganism yeah. is the only way. Mm. Why do why do we see and hear conversations like this? Or what? So, I mean, everyone's in, everyone's inspired by what they're inspired by. Like, uh, because there will be some people go, "My gosh, Tanya is so inspired by mindset," and some people are like, oh, "Mindset's not for me." So, <laughs> there's going to be people out there that they're not your cup of tea and they're not really into it. But I think that uh, so, and then I've also seen people who I've seen one particular individual, particularly in the vegan world, where she has been all for vegan and very um, vocal about it. And then she decided actually her body needed to start eating meat. So she she started eating meat and her whole community turned against her. Wow. It's like she just knew that she had to go and listen to what her body needed and she started to share that and people judged her for that because that they had believed and thought she was one particular way. So I think it's, I think it's helpful for us to like share, especially for uh, like new scientists, I don't know if you've known, known this or read this, but new scientists have become very uh, vegan, non-meat uh, in a lot of their articles that they've been doing actually for a number of years now and how much that's helping the environment if we if we eat less meats and uh, and uh, you know have less uh, milk products, for example, and the and the impact that has environmentally. And so they've become a bit more of an activist around around. Uh, eating less meat so it, it can be helpful for someone who doesn't and never had exposure to say vegan food before and they've been eating meat all the whole life and what they thought they had and they've been exposed to vegan food and they're like wow this is actually really delicious and so it can open someone's world up but but the the challenge is if we if we become rigid in what we do and rigid in our perspective it it kind of doesn't do ourselves justice. So for me, I, for example, I love the Martini method. It's what I specialize in, but I also know that you can go to, um, acupuncture to heal. You can do naturopathy. You can do NET. You could do hypnosis. Like I, I, and I've recommended, so I had a client come to me recently and there was a challenge that they were facing. And I said, look, I think the best avenue for you right now is we've done all we can do. You're better off going and seeing this individual. They do hypnosis. They'll do some work with you and it'll help you at a really deep level, which I can't do. And so we want to be able to have a broader perspective of all the different ways that, that we can have healing or health uh, and then, but still share the things that we love but maybe less from a rigid, this is the only way and the right way, because really everyone's body is different and also our bodies also change. And so we want to have that freedom and flexibility to know that uh, if we change, that they, that's okay too. I mean, the other thing that I heard in that is also working together as a team, that not one mm. person can fix one thing. There really yeah. is, you know, a community vibe there. Yeah, for sure. So as we finish up, do you mind telling us a little bit about Maximum Growth? I'd love to. So Maximum Growth, we help uh, business owners to reach their business potential by working through their personal limitations. So we have weekly classes that help you to understand the foundations of mindset. So understand why you might um, get stuck in certain problems like fear, anxiety, 
maybe labeling certain things and get you to, to week by week learn different questions that help you to shift your emotions and different perspectives that you have and break through your your um, growth ceilings that you have for you to be able to step up and grow in yourself and also to grow your business. We're also really big, not just in focusing on business, but we focus on leadership and life as well, because one of the philosophies we have at Maximum Growth is we want you to have a business and a life, not just like just a business and put everything into business. But we want to know like when you're working and spending or when you're spending time with your family or your friends or you're going and traveling, how how does that actually help you grow your business at the same time? So you get to grow all aspects of your life rather than just your business life. So we have our weekly, weekly classes. And so you can come and join us if you're interested. We do have a 14-day money-back guarantee. So if it's not for you, that's very okay. But we have an amazing inspired community. We offer classes which give you an opportunity to do co-working spaces. They're kind of like the geeks of the group who come to the library and do their study. It's very inspiring. So we have those extra classes um, as well. So we have both teaching or they have like facilitating classes. And then we also have the the community co-working spaces. So you get lots of opportunities. So we have six classes every single week that give you an opportunity to apply and implement the, the work in your business leadership and life. Like the work is one really powerful thing, but the community is another. And I think yeah. again, just to know, I mean, I'm not in the community at the moment, but I know that I've built mm. great relationships out of it. And mm. that was, you know, being in a massive online class. So I am yeah. really grateful for the community that you have brought together and that the work that you do. Thank you very much, Mel. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I just want to say thank you so much. Just like episode 30, I feel I feel very grateful to be a part of your your podcast and sharing your journey with you you've been part of this journey for a very long time so thank you. it feels nice to say and there you have it episode 30 of the her advantage podcast with tanya cross what i would really love to know is off the back of that conversation something that you found inspiring or caused you to reflect upon your own life slide into my DMs, let me know. And as always, if you found this conversation useful, please share it with someone else you think might find it useful or hit subscribe on our, on your favorite podcast platform until next time, team.